the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in. We're just about done the month of April. Want to make sure you know about a couple of things before May rolls in on Monday. First, our Ministry of the Month for April, Insight for Living with Chuck Swindoll. Catch up program weekday mornings at 6.30, also weeknights at 7, and Saturdays at 5 a.m. Weekday winners pick up Chuck's latest book, Life is 10% What Happens to You and 90% How You React. Plus, you get the booklet, Never Lose Hope. Also, weekly winners pick up the daily prize, plus Chuck's recent book, Clinging to Hope, what scripture says about times of trouble, chaos, and calamity. We are looking forward to having Tom Hayes who's the uh, CIO and executive VP with the ministry, Insight for Living. He'll join us this hour to talk more about those prizes, but also really the ministry itself, which has been on this radio station close to 30 years. You can get yourself entered right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Also going on uh, before the weekend is done, you want to make sure to get in on this. Salem, our parent company, has a book of the month, and Extravagant Love Exploring God's Passion for Us is the current one for the month of April. Carol Engel Averyette joined our program and talked about that book, in which she provides 12 key characteristics of God's nature, giving you a new appreciation of God's love in all its fullness. Some years ago, I had done a, uh, a very in-depth study on the tabernacle. And so the temple, uh, and the temple veil then, was, was very interesting to me. I had studied enough in the tabernacle, and I'm a seamstress. I love to sew, and I had sewn all of my granddaughter's little dresses when they were little. In fact, when they came to me when they got older and said, you know, Nana, we don't want to wear smocking anymore, it was a dagger straight to the heart, (laughs) (laughs) you know. They blue blue jeans and t shirts became the you know the dress of the day. But anyway, I knew quite a lot about the veil, quite a lot about the garment. I had uh, his garment that they gambled uh, for there at the foot of the cross, and learned a lot of information. I'll just throw out this one little detail. For example, most of the time I learned through biblical scholars far greater than I am that most of the time that was a custom. They would the, the Roman soldiers would take what little piece of clothing or a couple of little pieces of clothing these people that they crucified they would strip them and then they would tear those pieces of cloth maybe into three or four pieces so that each Roman soldier got a piece of the cloth cloth was very difficult to come by and uh, very expensive the interesting thing is that it's very specific they did not tear his robe. And the reason is because it was seamless. Now, that does not mean it didn't have any seams. It actually had two seams, one down each side. But it was seamless in the sense that it had not been pieced together like a poor person's robe. And what that tells you 
a, a seamless garment was very, very expensive. So someone, someone that knew Jesus, a follower, don't know who, we don't know who, but evidently paid quite a bit of money to give that as a gift to him. To these guards' credit, they recognized a fine piece of garment. That's why they didn't tear it. And that's why they gambled for the one garment that belonged to him. Hmm. And when I was a little girl, the first movie I ever saw that I could remember was something called The Rope. And um, some of your some of your older listeners might remember that movie. It was um, it was a, a quite a biblical movie at the time, and lots of people went. But it was about the supposedly about the guard that that received Jesus' robe, and then things that happened to him afterwards. But we don't really know what happened to that robe. We really don't. I mean, there's been some speculation, but we don't know what Roman soldier got it. But but what I have just told you now we we're scholars are pretty certain that it was a seamless garment very expensive and the guards recognized that that's why they gambled away for it but don't you wish we knew what that robe that the uh, the same one that the lady with the issue of blood had touched right just the hem of it don't you wish we knew what happened of course someday we'll we'll know the whole story and then, of course, there is that absolutely amazing scene. You have three crosses, and you have one person that accepts, leaves, and is promised to be with him that day in paradise. Then you have another man that simply cannot, he, he, it simply does not take on him the message. It's right beside him. But he just does not. And it is it is a picture of our world, fortunately and unfortunately. One hears the message and accepts. Uh, uh, my, my belief is that we are definitely given free will. God comes to us. He, he knows who's going to accept. But we must accept in and of ourselves within our own minds and hearts. So one accepted and one didn't. And that is fortunately and unfortunately, the way of the world. It's Carol Engel Averyette sharing a bit about her book, Extravagant Love, Exploring God's Passion for Us, which is Salem's April book of the month. You can get entered to win that at WFIL.com. Do so by this coming Sunday night at midnight. And by the way, Rewards Club members can get 30% off the retail price of Extravagant Love, plus free shipping. Whether you win or lose, so to speak, you can get that deal. So uh, you get details on the thank you page and the entry confirmation email. A couple of the quick things for you uh, before we also get into the program a little further. We can take it chronologically. Mother's Day coming up Sunday, May 14th. WFL's Rewards Club is celebrating by giving you an opportunity to win $2,000 for your mom or perhaps in her memory, in her honor, or uh, perhaps for a special mom in your life. You can actually enter the contest once a day through May 11th, and there are bonus entries you can earn to increase your opportunity of winning. It's uh, unofficially called our Mother's Day Dough Contest because you could win $2,000 with that. Get entered right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Also on our homepage, and not much further behind that, Thursday, May 25th, is WFIL's Pastor's Appreciation Breakfast. This is going to be a wonderful time. Pastor Raul Reese from Somebody Loves You will be sharing from God's Word. We'll have good food, fellowship, music, prizes, and more. There are various workshops while they last available. So if you happen to be a pastor, you can sign yourself right up on our homepage. And if you're not, 
feel free just to let your pastor know to do that. It's all free. It's WFIL's way of saying thank you for the work that you do. Again, the date for that, Thursday, May 25th. All the details, the free registration at WFIL.com. Now, that's uh, coming down the pike in May. There are many more things on the way, too. We encourage you to check out WFIL.com often because there are contests and other opportunities that pop up, and we want to present them to you and make the radio station experience, if you will, that just that, an experience. It's the programs, of course, that you hear and are encouraged by. But there are a lot of other elements as well, including different ministries we work with. Starting Monday, actually, we're going to be teamed up with Bible League to help raise Bibles to send to Asia. So lots of good things happening. WFL.com is a great hub for you to find out more and to be involved. Today on the program, I mentioned Tom Hayes, the executive VP and CIO for Insight for Living, joining us for a good chunk of the hour. We also have Patrick Doyle joining us shortly. He's a world-famous composer who has written the Coronation March for King Charles III's Coronation on Saturday, May 6th. So it'll be exciting to add that element to our show today coming up shortly. And on the back end of the program, our fine pun segment. Now that's punny. It's all on the way today on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560, WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app, you're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. King Charles III's coronation is Saturday, May 6th at Westminster Abbey. Several composers are going to be very much involved with the music associated with it. Sir Anthony Papano, currently the music director for the Royal Opera House. Also, Andrew Lloyd Webber, you've heard of him. Phantom of the Opera, Jesus Christ Superstar, Cats, and many others. And Patrick Doyle, a multi-award-winning, internationally celebrated composer with a prolific 50-year career in film, television, radio, and theater, and who's been commissioned to create a new coronation march for the celebration. Patrick Doyle, joining our program. How are you? And thanks for taking time today. Great pleasure, Tim. Lovely and clear line now. That's wonderful. Congratulations on uh, being part of this big celebration. And that's what it is, huh? It's, 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 uh, I would think that factors into your work. Yes, it's a huge celebration. I don't think the celebrations get any bigger than this. It's an incredibly exciting occasion, historic occasion, and I'm absolutely thrilled and honored to be part of it, Tim. Tell us a bit about the planning and the work that went into creating uh, the new Coronation March. And I'm guessing there's a lot of thought that goes into it, a lot of, a lot of work. Oh, yes, a lot of work, Tim. I, I, I was first uh, approached by the palace to do it between Christmas and New Year to if I if I would uh, be if I would like to compose the Coronation March and um I was completely blown away by this. I thought I couldn't believe it. So uh, as you can imagine it, the 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 honor was unbelievable but the pressure that accompanied it was even more overwhelming. So it was very intimidating but uh, I thought to myself, well I've known King Charles for many years, over 30 years, and he's been a great supporter of, of my career. And I thought, well, if he thinks I'm up to the task, then then I should just get on with it. So, yeah, it's been tricky to... They gave me um, three or four adjectives to, to consider to be triumphant, uplifting, and memorable. Yeah. So I took those three words very seriously and conjured up my own imagery of uh, the occasions that I've met him with a, in a long-standing professional friendship and also 
how I see him on TV, as we all do, um, doing the the job, the highly responsible job that the, the royal family have to do. So all of these images and subconscious thoughts come into my head. But I, I, in the end, it was, I suppose you could call it a, an overture march in that it, it really tells a story and captures aspect aspects of the king's character. There are four sections in it. And the first section is triumphant and uplifting and it's, it's heraldic and full of pageantry. And the second section, they're all quite indefinable or recognisable sections. The second section um, is moves forward at a pace like a march of time and has a very strong Celtic influence because of my Scottish um, background. And the third movement is joyful and uplifting. And the last movement is is romantic and reflective and it builds to a climax. So hopefully it will add to the enjoyment and excitement of this incredible occasion. So um, it was rehearsed about a week and a half ago and the orchestra, the Coronation Orchestra, which is a, an amalgamation of various orchestras that the Prince of Wales was a patron of, uh, including the Royal Philharmonic Orchestra. They did a marvellous job, and the conductor, Sir Antonio Papano, was amazing. So I'm thrilled. It sounded... It sounded I, I was very happy with how it sounded. So I was wondering how much the song... You know, it, When you're working, you're thinking also about, well, who's playing it, what instruments are involved, what leads to a great listening experience once it's time to actually perform it. Is that a lot of something you have to keep in mind as you're... As you're going along, because you have to keep shaping the whole, the whole you know uh, project, not just for one, perhaps just one part of it. Obviously, you have to keep the whole thing in view, and then not knowing till you actually hear it, perhaps how it's really going to sound. Well, that's really that's that's the composer's job to to hear the sounds through experience, obviously dealing with instruments and knowing the ranges of instruments and how dexterous they are and what are the limitations and all these thoughts, the colours with all the different instruments playing together, sonorities of them. And but what was tricky about the orchestra, it's a it's a slightly reduced orchestra, uh, and it's placed in the organ loft in in the abbey, so there isn't uh, there wasn't a lot of room for a full symphonic orchestra. So the there was the only you know this is a very academic thing. And only one bassoon and only three violas and only one flute who could maybe play the oboe. So, and we had to use the organ. So every, every, there are many pieces being played. So we all had to adapt this slightly odd orchestra and make it sound a square around like a, like a, a regular symphonic orchestra, which everyone has done a, a superb job. So that was an added sort of tricky technical aspect to it. But yes, you have to choose the instruments very carefully. For example, the, the third movement I mentioned is joyful and fun and like fireworks going off because of all the celebrations that and fireworks that accompany celebrations that you see throughout these royal events. So that was something I, I, I endeavoured to to capture in the orchestration and, and the also the the this sort of romantic side of of Prince Charles because he does love the arts and loves music and adores the opera. These are all things that I too um, love. So there is that very artistic side of of him uh, that runs right through the history of, of of the royal family. So these were all the thoughts that ran through my head. A collage of of ideas and personal and personal experiences. 
Wow, that's a lot. That's great. That's great. Congratulations on seeing it through, and and uh, thank you again for taking time today. God bless you. Have a great rest of your day. No, it's, it's my great pleasure to talk to you. Thank you very much. All the very best. You too. It's Patrick Doyle, Scottish composer who scored many films over the years and who's been commissioned to create the new Coronation March for King Charles III's Coronation Saturday, May 6th at Westminster Abbey. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show, and we're glad to bring on board the one and only Tom Hayes with Insight for Living. Tom, how you doing? Hey, I'm great today, Tim. Thank you. Sure thing. Now, four years ago when we spoke last... Yep. Uh, the title was Executive VP and uh, Chief International Officer. Does that ring true, or have you added anything to that? <laughs> no, that's still the same thing. Uh, still a great place to work, still great people I work with, and just love serving under Chuck and Cynthia. So, okay, that's good. That's good. The program, of course, itself, Insight for Living, uh, airs a couple yeah. times on our station each day, 6.30 a.m., 7 p.m., also Saturday mornings at 5 over the weekend, and was actually, you know, one of the inaugural programs on WFIL uh, 30 years ago this fall, I think it was, when Salem, our parent company, bought WFIL and uh, Insight for Living, one of the one of the you know founding members of the lineup, if you will. Pretty good stuff. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's our 44th year uh, in ministry overall, uh, Insight for Living. Chuck's been a pastor for almost 60 years overall. But, wow. you know, we yeah, we recognized pretty early on that the partnership between the local radio station and the ministries like ours are just vital. And so Salem's been, you know, one of our best partners for all these all these many years. Just unbelievable. So Excellent. And that, and you've been with uh, Chuck before the, coming to Insight for Living. You actually were at his church, I think, uh, doing missions, I believe? Yeah, that's right. I was uh, about eight, a little over eight years as the missions pastor at Stonebriar Community Church in Frisco, where Chuck still pastors. Yeah. Uh, and then I've been with Insight now for nine years. So about 17 years I've been able to work for Chuck uh, in some capacity. So. That's great. That's great. Well, if you had to pick three adjectives for mm-hmm. Chuck— you know, he's obviously one of the high up there, Mount Rushmore type pastors, if you will, who yeah. you know been been serving the Lord for many, many years. What would you pick if you had to boil it down to? And you you can cheat if you want to add a fourth. But uh, <laughs> well, good question, Tim. You know, it's, it's fun. One, I think the number one thing when I think of Chuck is joyful. Mm. Uh, you know, and then of course many of the listeners would recognize his stories and his laughter. My, I have two boys, uh, one's almost 15 and one's 10. And uh, my 15-year-old, when he would visit my office at the church years ago, he would know immediately when Chuck was in the office because about 40 feet away, you could hear Chuck laughing. Mm. And so my, my son would run down there. So joy has just been part of Chuck's life, uh, as, as uh, you know, many people would recognize that for sure. Yeah. You know, faithful. Uh, you know, he's faithful to the Word. Uh, faithful to the church, faithful to his wife, faithful to his kids. Uh, he's not someone that's that, you know it's kind of wishy-washy. He doesn't get, you know come in and out. He's just he is absolutely the same person each and every day. Committed, you know he is he is living out the purpose for which God's called him. He knows even in these days that his calling is to study and to preach and to communicate the word of God. And so he is committed to that 
just diligently. Can I throw in a fourth one? I'll just throw one, one fourth one because I've heard him say uh, that he described himself as driven. Really? I some, yeah, I know. Yeah, without, in your voice, that's exactly the way I took it when I heard him say that the first time. And I think driven, sometimes we view as a negative word just because, you know, someone's willing to kind of drive for goal, even at the expense of others. But Chuck has somehow navigated this real passion to do everything God's called him to do, whatever is on his heart. But he does it in a way that honors the people around him, not at their expense. So so I'd love to you know, throw in driven as well. That's good. Well, and, and it's fine because faithful and committed are, I'm going to put those together. Yeah, right. So, so we'll, we'll really be three. And it works for me. Yeah. Just tuning in. I'm from Missouri originally. Four, you know, it's hard to count sometimes. So. I'm, I'm like that with my kids all the time. I, like, I just want to tell you one thing. Well, actually, two. I, I, I never yeah. just say one thing. You know? <laughs> exactly my, kids, right. my kids have me down the impersonate. They're like, we already know, Dad. You're going to have at least two things to say. It's never just one. But exactly uh, right. <laughs> Tom Hayes is with us from Insight for Living, Executive VP, Chief International Officer. I almost didn't ask the Mount Rushmore analogy or, or put it in those terms because I'm sure Chuck will be the last person to say, uh, you know, I, I should be on Mount Rushmore because that's the one characteristic I think, from what I gather, the humility of him. Yeah. How you because there's there's no way you can really do this this long if you get full of yourself. You know, you I don't I don't think so. That's exactly right. And you know, I've said before, uh, you know, I've traveled quite a few places in the world, and, and and virtually every single country I've been to, people are telling me stories about Chuck. You know, it's a message he preached, it's talking to him at a conference, it's a book that he read, you know, whatever it is. And so, yeah, his his impact is, is beyond words, I think, in some capacity. But I've said before, maybe even said on the show four years ago, that for all the people in the world who care who Chuck Swindoll is, he doesn't. I mean, he answers the phone at his house. He goes to the grocery store. He, you know, it's just he is just a regular person in terms of that. And for him, he just is doing what God called him to do. So there's no sense in patting himself on the back or thinking highly, more highly of himself than he should because he's just doing what God put before him. Tom, the uh, the resources we're giving away as we kind of celebrate, you know, Insight for Living this month is uh, Chuck's latest book, Life is 10% oh, yeah. What Happens to You and 90% How You React. There's also a booklet, Never Lose Hope. What do you know of those uh, projects? I don't want to assume anybody knows any. You know, everybody's got their own stuff. So I don't know how deeply involved you are with, with the you know, creation of these things or whatever. But what do you know? Do you know much about the life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you react? Yeah, absolutely. So, of course, that's one of his, his most famous quotes. I mean, I, you know, I've yeah. seen it uh, everywhere, you know, that, that quote. And I try to teach it. Try to, well, first off, try to accept it myself and then try to teach it to my own voice. So, yeah, very well known. It, the, the book is kind of a repurposing of some previous works. And so retouched, you know, touched them up. Chuck looked at it again. Really, when it comes to Chuck's books, by the way, it's really him doing it. So there's there's not a team of people writing things and he puts his name on it. It's really him. So hmm. he, he took a couple books from before Active Spirituality and then one of his most well-known, Laugh Again, and added some new content and turned it into Life is 10%. But, you know, I think what Chuck realizes is, is life is tough. Uh, we all go through seasons that are challenging. And uh, so for for followers of Christ to display that maturity in Christ uh, takes the right attitude, takes the right understanding of God's purposes. So that's what this Life is 10% book is, is, is kind of recognizing how do I go through these more more difficult challenges, uh, these seasons of life, but at the same time, how do I display faith? How do I display hope? How do I display a good attitude and belief um, that, that, that God is there? And so uh, that book, Laugh Again, of course, has been one of Chuck's you know, most well-known, many of your listeners, I'm sure, have heard that before or read that before. 
it's, yeah. Uh, it, yeah. yeah, long, long been a favorite one. So, we also there's a da- in addition to that the daily prize there, and there's a booklet Never Lose Hope uh, that's part of that. I'm not sure if that's you know there's so much material you guys have at Insight for Living. I'm guessing there maybe not. You haven't read every single word of every single page, but uh, are you familiar with that booklet perchance? Or I, I am, I am absolutely, and it's actually part of a larger book called Clinging to Hope. Yes, and yeah, and so Clinging to Hope came out last year, and that's a really great book because it it comes from a a series he was teaching, Epical Events, and it kind of goes through the lives of certain Bible characters and how they went through their own difficult seasons. But what Chuck did was this, uh, he was going through that right when COVID struck. And so you have all these churches closing, families losing loved ones, really a nation. Obviously, those first few months, people were fearful and just very uneasy. And so he wrote some content to go along with that series that specifically allowed people to have hope, cling to hope. You know, the, uh, no, you know, it's, and really these two books you could almost look at in some ways as kind of partner books. One is about the attitude. This clinging to hope or never lose hope book is about looking at the biblical lives of people who did that, who clung to hope, clung mm. to the belief that God was going to, God was going to see His purposes prevail. Uh, so uh, that's actually been the clean hope has been really, really well received because because of the challenges people have gone through these last few years. So, folks, again, to clarify, Tom uh, Hayes is with us. He's executive VP and chief international officer with Insight for Living, the radio program with Chuck Swindoll, 6.30 a.m., 7 p.m., Saturday mornings at 5 as well. Been on the radio station for almost 30 years uh, on WFIL. Currently, our ministry of the month. Weekday winners pick up Chuck's latest book, Life is 10% What Happens to You, 90% How You React, plus the booklet, Never Lose Hope. And then weekly winners get that daily prize, but also Chuck's recent book, which Tom was just describing there, Clinging to Hope, What Scripture Says About Times of Trouble, Chaos, and Calamity. Folks know, Tom, about you know the writings and, and the books, and there's certainly the radio ministry. But I want to ask you, because uh, Insight for Living is, is as obvious and as important as those things are. There's a lot of other stuff you're working on, including internationally. We don't have time to go through all of it, but can you think sure. of a couple of things that listeners could benefit from if they go to insight.org and then start looking around? Lots of tabs, lots of resources, lots of things they could get into, whether it's a daily devotional or something else, podcast, whatever, um, that, that you think would be maybe most beneficial or timely? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, uh, first I will just mention our our international work. We do work in in ten languages, and that covers about seventy five countries uh, around the world. It's wow. part of what we call Vision One Ninety Five, which is what we hope is God opening the door into every country on Earth. Yeah. And so we we'll continue to be faithful with with those opportunities there, which is a blessing. A, a new thing that's also an old thing that we're uh, reworking on is something called Paws and Tales. It's yes. our children's content. Still so many, hundreds of radio stations around the U.S. that air that. So we've actually just produced new episodes and repackaging that and getting that uh, together and available for people. So should see more about that. That's very exciting. Uh, we are, for pastors out there, we are working on some very specific material and content and uh, an ability to interact with pastors, uh, support them in what their work is. You know, that's, that's. I mean, at the heart of it, that's what Chuck thinks about himself. Is that he's a pastor, and he's there to care for the people in his flock, and so he has a real heart for other pastors. Hmm. Pause and Tales, by the way, is we, we are one of those stations that airs at Saturday nights at 7, which is, how many episodes of Pause and Tales are there? Well, we've now got 73. Okay. And yep. when we spoke last time, you were in the process, Insight for Living was, animating some of them. They weren't all done, but there was a, a portion of it that had been done. Is that still 
happening or yeah it's a different form of the project uh so nothing no new animations have happened at this point yeah. uh, but there are that there are uh DVDs you can purchase on our uh, insight.org website of those uh, of the previously animated versions for sure. Okay, yep. that's good. You yep. mentioned something else too. Uh, so insight.org is how folks can find all of that and and much more. You mentioned Chuck considers himself a pastor, ultimately speaking, yep. and he's still preaching at Stonebri- uh, Stonebriar, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yep. So folks wanted to stream the service; they they could see Pastor Chuck in in that preaching role, if you will. That's right. Insight.org. You can see our Sunday service. He's right now going through a series on the fruit of the Spirit. Okay. Taking each Sunday, he's going through one uh, one fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. We were there, of course, uh, this week and uh, able to hear as he uh, continued that series. It's just fantastic. What's the, ta- the time frame for the service? Is it one or both streamed? Uh, 1045 Sunday morning. Is the streamed one. Okay. Is the stream, but we but we archive all the content. So if uh, any of the listeners go to the insight.org website, they can look back on several years worth of content of the Sunday morning services. And that does include okay. the worship of Sunday morning, which, you know, if you've, if you've ever been around Chuck, you know he loves music. So uh, you can even, it's fun to watch him on that live stream during the music because he is very much worshiping. You know, he is he is very excited about it. So, Amen. The, yeah. ti- the title again is not important, but uh, you know, when we have a, you know a guest on, you think is did they want to be referred to as pastor or versus doctor or bishop or reverend or whatever? When it comes to Chuck Swindoll, I've never had the privilege of talking to him directly, but I think uh, I just think Chuck. Like, I, but I, but it also feels disrespectful. Like, I, mean, I should be saying I should be saying something besides just Chuck. But yeah. is that kind of how it goes, or do people say Pastor Chuck as well? It's funny. We, you know, we we do call him. You know, his formal title that we call him at the ministry is Pastor Chuck Swindoll, and I just mean in the ministry in terms of what we put out or publish or, or you know quote him online. Yeah, but he very much just goes by Chuck. He is <laughs> he is not interested in being called Doctor, even though that's true. He's not interested in being called Pastor, even though that's his heart and his calling. He just views himself as a regular guy. So so when people see him, they definitely come up and just say, Chuck, you know, like it's a long lost phrase. So. I just think if I met him, uh, and I think when we spoke uh, four years ago, you mentioned you, you have a coffee shop there. People could come and actually yeah. do all that, and you never know, bump into or at least at church. I think I'd still be looking to my side like, I'd be wincing, like if I don't, if I don't, if I say just Chuck, I'd be like, "Are you sure that's okay?" So, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I answer to anything. That's for sure. <laughs> well, on the topic though of past, being a pastor, we have our pastors appreciation breakfast coming up May twenty fifth, and yeah. uh, you, you know, having worked alongside him for a long, long time, is there a particular part of being a pastor that resonates most with him that that he may? feel in terms of strengthening you mentioned the resources on the insight.org site but a couple couple main things that come to mind for him what's important for a pastor to to kind of never forget absolutely and i'm going to actually paraphrase chuck here when i say this so we were just on a trip to israel Uh, some of the listeners may have heard that and uh, on this trip to israel somebody asked this question specifically to chuck to say what has changed in your 60 years of ministry yeah and so he, he talked about pastors and he said too often today, the temptation for pastors is to be entertaining when the challenge is to be faithful to the Word. Hmm. And so Chuck recognizes church, maybe even more than ever, you know, with the advent of social media and all live streaming, that the possibility is there for a church service or even one particular message to you know, go viral in some capacity. 
Uh, and so pastors might lend themselves or play up that aspect, you know, trying to create some sort of moment, you know. Yeah. I've, I've actually been in churches before, thankfully not Stonebriar, but I've been in churches where I've heard pastors, you know, use the phrase, you know, what I'm about to say would be really great in a tweet, you know, and it's like they, they it's like they're, <laughs> they're taking that mindset. And so Chuck would say to pastors, stay faithful to the Word of God. You're there to, to teach and to educate. You're not there, you know, it's not even our job to, to, to convict. That's the Holy Spirit's job. So you're just there to proclaim the truth of God. And when the church focuses on that is when people's lives are, lives are changed, uh, not just for eternity, of course, but even the day-to-day aspect. So really stay committed to the Word of God and let the, and let the Bible reveal truth and not uh, try to splash it up in some way that, that seems it would be uh, relevant, yeah. uh, more so than the others. So, yeah. I, I would think, and maybe this is also ha- a matter of having a good team around him, but any pastor of any church may have certainly different circumstances and may feel the need to kind of fill in wherever there's a gap of any sort, mm-hmm. you know? So mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that Chuck's also ever experienced as, when you've known him about uh, you know, having a heart for the whole ministry of the church, the, um, not just the church doings and the operation but but the function of the church, and uh, I, I would think it'd be hard for for a pastor to just pull back into one main area, mm-hmm. and unless you know you really have people around you that are going to, you know, to handle handle all those other things, and and want to, you know, our pastor runs down after he preaches to the lobby so he can make sure to see people on the way out. For example, yeah. and that, that's I mean nothing against that; it's a good thing. But I could see that his heart is to like make sure everyone's included and all that, and there's only so much time in the day. That's it. Yeah. Well, and of course, Chuck it would be the first to tell you uh, his situation now is not what his situation has been his whole pastoral ministry. Yeah. Uh, whereas now he's able to really focus a little bit more on the teaching and uh, you know the different times. So, yeah, I think the key is to have people serving in the area of their giftedness and their calling. And so, you know, even during my time at Stonebriar to really be able to give all of my energy and focus to mission. And so the missions efforts of the church, I hope, were strengthened during that time because there's someone capable of doing that. But far and away, you know as well as I, Tim, far and away that most churches are small enough that pastors end up having their hands in almost every aspect, yeah. uh, which can be incredibly exhausting. Uh, and so I think it's it's key to really develop uh, volunteers. You know, churches aren't able, obviously, to pay uh, staff oftentimes to do all these things. So. Uh, allowing people within the church to find their own area of giftedness, their own area of calling, and to serve in that capacity, I think, strengthens the ministry as a whole. And so uh, the pastor is then able to really focus on on caring and nurturing, not just for the whole church, which is certainly still true, but really caring for that leader, that leadership team, even volunteers, as they you know help grow out the different ministries within the church. But again, most time a pastor on their own is challenged to find time to be able to do that. And I think that's really Chuck's burden is it's remembering those days and, and loving that pastors are out there serving and they're faithful and they're they're doing what they're called to do, but it's it's overwhelming at times. And so he just wants them to feel appreciated. He wants them to, to be seen, you know, that, that people see and recognize what they're doing, but at the same time be encouraged to stay faithful to it. Yeah. That's good stuff. You're just tuning in. Tom Hayes is with us. He's the Executive VP and Chief International Officer for Insight for Living. That program been on WFAL for close to 30 years, 6.30 a.m., 7 p.m., Saturday mornings at 5, 
and this month is WF Files Ministry of the Month. There's still time to get yourself entered for a couple of different prizes that we're handing out involving uh, books that Chuck has written. One, Life is 10% What Happens to You, 90% How You React. That's the most recent one. The booklet Never Lose Hope is part of that. And uh, weekly winners pick up the Daily Prize, plus Chuck's recent book, Clinging to Hope, What Scripture Says About Times of Trouble, Chaos, and Calamity. Uh, just a couple last things for you, Tom. I want to respect your time. The uh, the some pastors I know are are you know counting kind of counting down to when they can kind of chill and be done for a little while and maybe spend time with the grandkids more and around a golf or whatever I don't know what. But uh, last time we spoke, I remember you saying that that's not Chuck that he hmm. not not that he has to let it, he can't let it go, but he he really wants to do this as long as possible and and keep yeah. serving the Lord and not like what better thing you could do almost. Exactly right. He's uh, there. You know, Chuck will joke sometimes. It's the Marine in him. Mm. You know, there's no there's no quit. And <laughs> uh, at the same time, he says, you know, the word retirement doesn't show up in Scripture. And so uh, he recognizes that doesn't mean you, you know you can live forever and do do these things forever. But his purpose is to do this as long as God allows him to. Yeah. Um, he's not he's not interested in finding a way out. He's he's interested in being faithful. Now he certainly recognizes there's. Uh, times that may look different, you know, but uh, yeah, he's absolutely doing this as long as God allows him. The, the If I may tell a little story, the only thing that really slows him down much at this point is his eye. Some of you have heard him talk about that probably on, on air here. Uh, his left eye, he's lost some of the vision in that. And so at times, uh, reading, you know, especially while up in the pulpit is, is one of the, the only real challenges health-wise for him. Well, on this recent trip to Israel, he was he was speaking at one of the sites, and there's just a glare on the paper, and it just he just couldn't see very well. And so, it, you know, some of the people there might might have thought, "Oh man, is Chuck? You know, is he not able to do it the same way? You know, because he was just kind of struggling while reading some of those passages." Yeah. And he just thought, "Well, that's fine. I'm just going to do it from memory then." So he he <laughs> spent the rest of the trip preaching from memory without looking at a single note. You know, <laughs> preaching for an hour at a time, quoting songs, quoting verses, quoting poems, you know, whatever it is, he just, you know, is still just so sharp and, and just as committed and passionate about it as ever. Well, and I think also, which, that's a great story, and and I think uh, when we had spoken before, too, that you had mentioned Chuck was an ongoing learner, which also, yeah. I think, feeds into the fact, like, I, I have more miles to do here, more more service to the Lord, uh, not like I, I've read the Bible enough times. I know the verses. I know the main stuff. I can keep just kind of, honestly, living off that, but I can just kind of keep doing that. If you have a hunger to keep knowing and realizing the more you sp- spend time with the Lord, you're still going to be le- learning about him until the day he calls you home. Exactly right. Yeah, one of, you know, he, he's, uh, he takes off the month of July and August from preaching. And during that time, you know, he's always, he's always been a voracious reader as it is, but he would really consume a lot of books over that time period. Hmm. So one of my favorite emails to ever be part of is, is he, when he reaches out to a group of us and uh, who he knows are readers, and he says, oh, what are you reading and what do I need to know? And, you know, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so he's, a, he's not just looking to pick up books on his own, but he's even wanting to know what's been meaningful in people's lives. And, and, uh, that's, that's, that's really cool that he would, you know, yeah. and then the fact that he's doing that, I'm sure well, it's like, well, if Chuck is still learning, I <laughs> it's exactly right. I can't mail anything in, can I? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 You know, that and also the fact that he and his wife, Cynthia, you know, this has been a true partnership for them. I mean, they they are doing this together, loving every minute of it still to this point. So Mm -hmm. lifelong learner, you know, just tremendous. 
Tom, last thing for you as far as how people can pray for Pastor Chuck, as well as for you and for uh, Insight for Living overall. Mm. Well, thank you, Tim. And, and can I say, first off, thank you to the listeners. I mean, this is obviously key part of the ministry. We don't do this for ourselves. We, we try to honor the Lord, but uh, really trying to connect with you and, and see your lives change. So thank you genuinely to all the listeners and uh, for sailing there in, in Philadelphia, just love the radio station and, and the program. But uh, it's been an honor to be on here again today. So thank you for that. Tim. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, prayer requests, I think Chuck would say, uh, you know, what what uh, he always would is time, energy, passion, you know, for all those things just to continue to be available to him. And he has the time and energy to do what he wants to do. It's uh, he, he recognizes that, you know, he's not going to do this forever, but he does not want to stop. And so it just wants to be faithful as long as the Lord allows. Uh, I think for Insight for the Living, I would say we're trying to be a ministry, you know, again, we're 44 years old. Uh, but we're as concerned with the next 44 years as we are the last 44 years. And so uh, we understand that, uh, that there's much in front of us. And so God's the one that provides all of our needs, and God's the one that provides the direction. So uh, we want to keep following after Him, uh, you know, in spite of uh, some of the challenges in this world that we face there. So uh, and as for me, Tim, I appreciate you asking that. Uh, I want to be uh, a better husband, a better father, and uh, you know, the, the chance to be able to do that would love people's prayers to help me in this season. You know, you know, I talked before the show about the, about different challenges and seasons of life. And I've, as I said earlier, I've still got those boys at home and, and we just want to give them uh, all that we can to show them that Jesus is life. So. Amen. You know, my dad uh, passed at 95 in March and uh, I have a, one regret. I don't have many regrets. One regret is I was going to interview him. And he had worked up wow. some questions and answers. He's actually been on my show a time or two, and but but I wanted to do more of a, a bit of a legacy piece and actually ask him stuff. So I have bits and pieces from over the years or times we talked, but I didn't have a, an actual piece. And I meant to do this for six years. All right. Uh, so the document he created for me to interview him is dated sometime in 2017. It was on my list of things to do for six years. So I'm saying that very candidly uh, because. Uh, as an encouragement to anybody who has something important to do to not do what I did, which is not do what I wanted to do. But yeah. I'm, I'm bringing this up because he, thankfully he gave me the answers to the questions. So at least I know what he was thinking. And he had two things that he considered his greatest life accomplishments. Uh, and I actually don't, uh, well, I'll just put this one. The first one on the list was raising five children um, in, the, in the Lord's ways. And this is a man who's lived his whole life serving. The, he's traveled the world. He's served in, in philanthropy and done all kinds of stuff and been a professor and all these different things. He could say that thing over there, that degree, that whatever. And that wasn't any of it. It was raising five children. And, of course, you know, we each have to choose the Lord on our own. But I just yeah. want to bring that up to you because what you said, it's a great prayer request to be a, you know, a better husband and father and – that trumps anything you're doing at Insight for Living, even though the work you're doing there is amazing and mm. super needed, uh, not at the expense of your family. And you know that, which is a great thing. So, Yeah, thank you. They're a blessing. Absolutely, for sure. Yeah. Well, thank you again, Tom, for taking time today. It's great to hear your voice again. And let's not wait four years to do it again. Hey, that'd be great. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Have a great day. You too. It's Tom Hayes, Executive VP and Chief International Officer for Insight for Living, WFIL's Ministry of the Month. 
in April. You can catch a program weekdays at 6.30 a.m., 7 p.m., and Saturday mornings at 5 on WFIL, one of the inaugural programs on WFIL's lineup back in 1993. Been around almost 30 years with the radio station and uh, as a ministry for much longer than that. You can find out more about the ministry, insight.org or WFIL.com. We have a program guide you can click through and get connected to all the different ministries on the radio station. You're listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM560 WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. A very special edition of the program today. I have a special assistant joining me, world-famous Brittany, who is marrying my son tomorrow. How do you feel, Brittany? I feel great. I'm ready. You ready to go? Oh, yeah, I'm ready. And you have nothing else going on today except to help me with the puns, right? Exactly. It's the best part of the day. Yeah, all right. Well, good. So we explained off off mic how this works, and so you just pick one of those colorful buttons to pick uh, based upon the pun that I give to you. Mm-hmm. All right, are you ready? Think you can handle that? Yep, I think so. Those, those buttons look delicious, don't they? <laughs> all right, so, Brett, first of all, I want you to know I bought the world's worst thesaurus yesterday. Mm-hmm. Not only was it terrible, but it was also terrible. (laughs) (laughs) Brittany, I don't know about you, but I can tell when other people are being judgmental just by looking at them. (laughs) Thank you very much. People who um, take care of chickens, have you ever thought of this? Have you ever taken care of chickens or farm animals or anything? Mm. Oh. I don't like chickens. You don't? You do? I don't. Oh, the scary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they can be. They roll around the dust. We had chickens for a while. They, they're weird, but they're fun. Anyway, people who take care of chickens, do you ever think about the fact that they are literally chicken tenders? <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Uh, despite the cost of high living, it remains popular. Thank you very much. Brittany, what do you call a snobby criminal going downstairs? Oh, I don't know. A condescending con descending. All right, we continue on. Just a few more. Brittany, what can you do if you're scared of elevators? You cannot take it. Very close. You can take steps to avoid them. Oh. See? Now you're warming up. You're getting the idea. That's right. Brittany, why did Cyclops lose and have to close his school? Something about because he only had one something? Yeah, man, you're getting even closer. He only had one pupil. Oh. Ooh. Uh, see? <laughs> I think my son's going to be in good shape. If you're keeping track of things. Well, you do bookkeeping, so you know of all that stuff. That's true. All right. Um, now, I have done, I have been very careful to not go beyond just being married, being celebrating that. There are people who are already asking about, you know, future DeMoss children and all that sort of thing. So in that spirit, I ask you, what did the drummer, you know, Tim likes to drum, name his twin daughters? Mm, I don't know. And a one and a two. <laughs> George Foreman, the boxer, named all of his kids George. 
all his sons. I think he has really? six. Yeah, has six sons named George. George, one, two, three, four, five, six. I, I th- yeah. Well, all right. Three more. Last night, uh, Tina and I were talking, and she, well, I mean, we were you know, doing stuff for the wedding. She was complaining that I never listened to her or something like that. That, that was the pun. <laughs> no, that's it. <laughs> yeah. There's a similar pun that goes, uh, you know, my wife is upset with me. She says, you're not even listening to me, are you? And I, I thought, that's a strange way to start a conversation. <laughs> that All right. good. So, Brittany, why did the baby cookie cry? Because it felt crummy. That's pretty good. I like that Did I get one. it right? Uh, well, it's, it's uh, all up to the person who decides what, what they want to do there. But, but but because its mother was away for so long. Its mother was away. Away for oh, so wait. long. Oh. Isn't that kind of cute? <laughs> Last one, Brittany. Why did the bride bride? Why did the bride change her last name? Like you're about to do. Because hmm, she got married. <laughs> well, that's true. Because it had a nice ring to it. Oh, oh, oh that's cute. And that's now that's funny. Have a wonderful weekend, Brittany. Thank Anything you. Anything going on with you? Oh, you know, just getting married. Stuff like that? That's about it. Okay. <laughs> well, welcome to the family, and thank you for being part of our Now That's Punny segment. Thank you. All right, you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a million dollar weekend. WFIL. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.